Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Spooky AF. My name is Rob, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Suze. Hello, how are you guys? How are you doing today, Suze? Oh god, I mean, I got Wi-Fi again, so I'm over the moon after having spent a full weekend without Wi-Fi access. I actually can't imagine that. It was like living in the goddamn Stone Age. That is the most first world problem that I can actually think of, is not having access to internet. Oh yeah, and I, I, it just made me it made me acutely aware of how the 5G signal on my phone is actually dog shit if you actually want to do anything with a video. Fair. Well, you know, I guess you can view it as for a weekend you were living in the 90s again. It's true, but the economy wasn't growing and Buffy wasn't on, so you know, it was it was the dark 90s. Oh, fair. Okay, the, the 90s that we don't want to remember. Precisely. Uh, so to start things off, Suze, you previously used to live in the UK, so you actually have more of a knowledge of the geography of the UK than I do. Have you ever been to Suffolk? Oh, uh, no, I haven't. Okay, fair enough. So for anyone that's unaware, Suffolk is in England. Have you ever heard of the Rendlesham Forest? Never in my life. Excellent. This is good to know. So... Anyone that is in any way familiar with UFOs will be well aware of what I'm already talking about. Uh, Today, we are going to be discussing the Rendlesham Forest incident. Okay. Which is famously known as Britain's Roswell. Oh my god, all right. Yeah. And just to add a a, a cherry on top of this cake, this is also set in the 80s. So this is pure, like, synthwave era, aliens, everything's just perfect oh absolutely amazing i'm genuinely both delighted that you haven't heard of this case and also kind of surprised but uh i'm I'm really glad that i've got you with no knowledge of this yeah you've got me with no knowledge because my like i said my interest in ufos has always been fairly limited so yeah you're you're working with a blank slate here I'm, i'm really really glad it also just means that regardless of whatever i tell you you'll just believe it anyway so there goes any any facts at all that i was potentially going to be uh, concerned about rob that's how our podcast functions in general <laughs> it's true we're just talking shite to each other <laughs> yeah as we've established it's trust me bro huh? so to set the scene we are traveling 1980s uh suffolk uh specifically ni- d- uh, the 26th of december 1980 and okay. we are traveling to a, funnily enough, U.S. Air Force base in England. Okay. This is RAF Woodbridge. And as I said, it's the 26th of December. It's uh, like 3 a.m. on the 26th of December. So it's effectively Christmas Day still. Yes, absolutely. We are in this uh, U.S. Air Force base. It's kind of like this like joint U.S. Air Force, RAF sort of weird Cold War agreement where the U.S. basically had a bunch of Air Force bases in the U.K. to pretty much protect them from communism. Okay, <laughs> naturally. That's, yeah, it's the only way I can really describe it. As it's an active military base, there's still, you know, even though it's Christmas Day or Stephen's Day, there's still going to be patrols. Yeah. So on one of these patrols, military personnel were out doing whatever it is that they they do when all of a sudden near the east gate of this RAF Woodbridge Mm -hmm. reports started to kind of filter in involving a series of unexplained lights and potentially a mysterious object within the forest so a number of military personnel start claiming that they've witnessed lights they don't know what it is And it's starting to kind of come in more and more over the radio, basically. And as this is obviously the uh, the, the 80s, I'm picturing it's just a lot of like men with mustaches, especially because they're all RAF personnel. So 
you know, oh, yeah. they, they, all have mo- they all have mustaches. And they don't, like, there's no mobile phones, so they're not, like, playing Candy Crush or anything. Like, this is this is the highlight of their night. No, they basically all look like the security personnel from Stargate SG-1. Yes. Uh, even, though that's, even though that's set in the 90s, I feel like it's relevant to this now. So they're, they're all on high alert. They don't know what's going on. But the deputy base commander, Lieutenant Colonel Charles L. Holt. Yep. He's on the scene. He's 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 fucking raring to go here. <laughs> so he decides he's going to round up the lads. He's going to get them all together and he's going to go conduct an investigation, you know, document his findings. It just so happens that uh, his wife actually for Christmas Day got him an audio tape recorder, like a dictaphone. Okay. So he decides the very first use of this dictaphone is going to be on the hunt for UFOs. Oh, he's he's our kind of dude. He is definitely our kind of dude. He he knows what's up. He he's like he saw this and he's just like yeah, ready to go. Yeah, he's he's like I am evidence based and this is fucking evidence. Exactly. He he's he's our kind of guy. So just to give a little bit of background context here before we progress in the kind of the public psyche at the time. This is as I said, 1980. Mm-hmm. Close Encounters of the Third Kind had come out in uh, 1977. It was like November 1977, so kind of coming into 78. Yep. So this film's only like three years old at this point. And that was a huge film. And it was a huge, huge film. So it's kind of. UFOs are kind of coming back around into the public psyche again. Obviously, they were huge in the 40s through to the 60s. They kind of drop off a little bit in the 70s, probably because America's more concerned with Vietnam and, you know, communism and the Cold War. Mm-hmm. But as we're coming back into the 80s again, it's it's starting to, like, ramp back up again. People are, you know, starting to look in the sky and, you know, they're, they're starting to ask questions. Absolutely. So, the colonel... Colonel Holt, by the way, great name, I feel. Colonel Holt. It's like real classic American, all, all American man. Yeah, it's a strong, it's a strong Midwestern name. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He rounds up the lads, as I said, heads out, records it. He s- claims that uh, the security patrol saw lights apparently descending into the nearby Randlesham Forest. Uh, they didn't know what it was. So the servicemen did kind of uh, rightfully so initially think that it could have been a downed aircraft. Mm. they kind of got together quite quickly and went out. And I suppose it's kind of a valid fear on obviously an active Air Force base that it could very well be a downed aircraft that, that could be coming in. Yeah, that, that that's reasonable. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, or worse, it could be the Russians, you know. Oh, well, yeah, yeah at worst, it, it's it's a downed aircraft of full of commies. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, no one wants that. This is this is, this is potentially a Red Dawn situation. Yeah. <laughs> They get the they get together. They head out into the woods, and according to Halt, uh, when they entered the forest to investigate, they witnessed a glowing object that was metallic in appearance with uh, colored lights. Okay. They attempted to approach the object. It seemed to kind of move through the trees, just kind of. It's like hovering. Yeah, kind of like moving between the trees, kind of like moving away from them. Mm-hmm. So. From what I've seen, it doesn't seem to necessarily be avoiding them, but it just seems to be still moving. He also reports damage to trees as well, so it would make sense. An object descends in it, into a forest, you would expect some damage to trees, especially if it's out of control. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, no, nothing too surprising there. What else they also report, though, is that they could hear uh, the animals on a nearby farm, uh, quote, going into a frenzy. Ooh, that's creepy. 
Yeah. So they try to kind of investigate it, and the lights kind of keep moving through the forest. Uh, they're they're kind of trying to chase them, but they don't really seem to get too too close to it. And then for some reason, shortly after. 4 a.m., so an hour after the lights were seen, uh, local police were actually called to the scene, but they reported that the only lights that they could see at that point were the lights way off in the distance from the Orford Nest Lighthouse, okay. uh, which is a good bit away uh, on the coast. So after daybreak uh, on the morning of the 26th of December, the servicemen kind of not satisfied that they can't really identify what was going on, they decide to return to a small clearing near the eastern edge of the forest uh, where they reportedly found three small impressions on the ground in a triangular pattern. Okay. (laughs) So for anyone that's kind of uh, unfamiliar, triangle-shaped UFOs are actually the most commonly reported shape of UFOs uh, found in the night sky. Even though it's the kind of flying saucer idea that comes to everyone's mind, the the uh, the most commonly reported shape of UFO is actually triangles. So, oh, you know, the more you know, yeah, you know, take take that as you will. So, uh, yeah, they see these impressions on the ground in a triangular pattern, as well as what they say were burn marks and broken branches on nearby trees. So then later on that morning, the local police again were called out, this time to see the impressions in the ground, but they thought that they could have just been made by an animal, which is a bit strange that they're kind of back out here again. I'm a bit uncertain why the police are involved in this. I I, it, I believe that the Reynolds Forest is kind of outside of the base's kind of ground. Mm-hmm. But I'm just, yeah, there just seems to be this kind of weird collaboration going on here between like US Air Force personnel and the local police, which, yeah, bit bit strange, but sure, look, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's 1980, shit was wild. True, true, very true. So following on from this, then the deputy base commander, who I've already mentioned, Colonel Charles Halt, he decides on the 28th of December, so now two days later, that he's going to visit the site with several servicemen again in, in the early hours of the, the 28th. This time, though, they decided to actually bring bring a Geiger counter with them. Oh, right. And he took radiation readings of the triangle depressions. Oh, they are properly investigating this. Oh yeah, this lad is like, he's all in. He's like fully, like he's invested now in this. So he decides to, as I say, take these readings in this kind of on the depressions in the ground and in the surrounding area using, as I saw described online, a standard US military radiation survey meter, which whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And they recorded, I think it was reasonably normal background kind of radiation, maybe slightly elevated, but not in any way kind of worryingly so. Okay. But crucially, they claimed that they detected a similar small, what they described as a burst of radiation uh, over a half mile away from the landing site. So that that's a bit kind of strange, but... You know, I don't think they can really explain that. And crucially, Halt recorded all of these on his micro cassette recorder, dictaphone, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But it was actually during this specific investigation where Halt is already out there with his recorder on record that a flashing light was seen again across the field to the east. And witnesses claimed that it was the same light that they had seen on the first night. So they go to investigate further. And according to Halt, three star-like lights were seen in the sky, uh, two to the north and one to the south, as he said, um, about 10 degrees above the horizon. Halt claimed that the lights hovered there for two to three hours and seemed to beam down a stream of light from time to time. Oh, wow. These are... These are like advanced versions of the Marfa lights. Yeah, for sure. 
So they seem to be actually like interacting with the landscape in some way. Yeah. Which is really cool. This all happens. People don't know what is going on, but you know, they're, they're there to investigate. So this is it. Halt decides to report this to the higher ups afterwards. And it forms what is now known as the Halt Memo. So Halt says in his memo, uh, early in the morning on the 27th of December, uh, 1980, at approximately 3 a.m., two USAF security police patrolmen saw unusual lights outside the back gate at RAF Woodbridge. Thinking an aircraft might have been crashed up in force then, they called for permission to go outside the gate to investigate. It goes on to basically describe what I've already said, that they saw a strange glowing light uh, object in the forest. The object was described as being metallic in appearance, triangular in shape, um, all, all what we've discussed. But he says in this that the object is actually like hovering in the sky. Mm. And it basically illuminated the entire forest uh, with white light. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, he says, as patrolmen approached the object, it maneuvered through the trees and disappeared. Uh, at this time, the animals on a nearby farm went into a frenzy. The object was briefly sighted approximately an hour later near the back gate. He then actually describes the the investigations that we talked about the next day, where they went out and found the depressions in the ground and this, that, and the other. So he's actually, like, reporting this to the higher-ups. He, he takes it that seriously. Yeah, yeah, and that that's that says something, because, like, you're very likely to be ridiculed. <laughs> for reporting some stuff like this. Oh, for sure, yeah. And then he basically goes on to describe everything else I said the next day, all the lights in the sky again, same thing, all, all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But then he ends it with numerous individuals, including the undersigned, witness the activities in paragraphs two and three, which is what I described. So he's basically saying, like, we, we've got fucking receipts here. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he's kind of saying, like, you know, th there's a few of us here that saw this. We're... You know, we're, we're taking this seriously. So that kind of describes the events as they happened. And there is more to this that I will get to. But I just want to check in with you. What, what, what do you think so far of, of all of this? I I remain intrigued. I, I will say that there is an elevated amount of kind of interaction with the UFO in a, in a, in sure. a way, which is which yep. is interesting. Um, I find that like the bursts of radiation that they found to be interesting as well, because you wouldn't that that's not easily explainable, at least to someone with an arts and humanities degree. That's not easily explainable just in the middle of a forest in England. That is very true. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so I'm 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 with you on this journey, but I, I can't say I'm sold yet. Fair. Okay. That's more than fair. It's it's my job to convince you anyway, so we'll 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 keep this going. Yep. And uh see see how how much further I have to go to convince you that this is uh this is some real shit. <laughs> so we'll we'll move to the next bit of this story. As I said, Halt actually had the um, the cassette recorder with him as well. Mm -hmm. And in 1984, so four years after this, uh, a copy of it actually was released. And it's become known as the Halt tape. This was actually, for some reason, it was released to UFO researchers by an actual Air Force colonel. Oh. So he was actually the one who had succeeded Halt's superior. So he's basically effectively like Halt's new boss and he decides to go, yeah, cool, you can have the tape. Right. So the tape actually like basically like chronicles the entire investigation in the forest in real time. Right. Including their like taking of radiation readings, the sighting of the flashing lights between the trees, the star-like objects that they, that they discussed and the ones they said that kind of like hovered and twinkled. But crucially... And this is the best part of it. The tape has since been transcribed mm -hmm. and it's been made available 
uh, as a link to download the audio from. Really? So we can actually listen to the actual tape and hear Halt's basically reaction uh, as this goes along. So I'm actually going to send you a link uh, to this tape if, if you want to listen to it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, this is legit. This is a yep. proper military recording. <laughs> yep. And transcription. Yep. Yeah, no, the, the, like, it's been, as I said, transcribed, made available. The area that I want you to go to, though, is around the 12 minute 40 mark. And I'm actually going to insert this audio into the podcast for people to listen to as well as, as we go along. So. Well, we're, 148. we're hearing very strange sounds out of the farmers burning our animals. It's very, very active, making an awful lot of noise. This is an pigmentation. You just saw a light yeah, there. Sir. Wait, wait, Right on this position here, straight ahead in between the tree. There it is again. Watch. Straight ahead off my flash right there. Yeah, sir. There it is. Hey, I see it too. What is it? We don't know, sir. So, yeah, can I get some Yeah, it's a strange, small red light. Looks like uh, maybe a quarter to a half mile, maybe further out. So, in, in this tape, there are, as you'll see, they're describing hearing the like farm animals going crazy in the background. Yeah, it's a it's it's kind of creepy. Yeah, and then on top of this, then they're they're discussing this light that's basically right in fucking front of them at the same time, like hovering there. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're trying to deal with both things. They're like, all right, yes, the animals are going crazy. There's this light in front of us. Like, where's where are our priorities? Yep, yeah, absolutely. And then it goes on to basically say that, like, I think as the light moved away, all of the animals went silent again. Oh. So they're they're like they don't know what is going on here, and and for anyone that listens to the full tape, it's like eighteen minutes long. It it kind of goes a bit mad. Like it talks about like how like pieces of the craft are like falling off of it and stuff. Uh, there's like there's descriptions of lights in the sky and and everything that's going on there. Yeah, they're talking about trying to like point like this like night vision camera and everything at it, seeing if they can like. Uh, catch it in, in on camera and and all this sort of stuff so it's um it's it's super interesting and then basically it all ends with the lights basically beaming off effectively and the the last thing that they say is that the there's lights like beaming down from us into the ground and then basically the tape cuts off oh okay so it's a it's a cool tape i love it i've listened to it a few times now and I, I firmly believe that what this man is saying is he's describing, like, clearly what is right in front of him. I don't think there's any sort of um, fabrication here of evidence, at least for him. Yeah. He, for, he firmly believes what he's saying. What do you think of, of that, sis? I'm, I'm, I'm getting more on board now. I'm delighted to hear that. I, I, I yeah, I, I mean, you're presenting me with, with a lot more solid seeming evidence than I thought you were going to. Yep, this is the this is one of the biggest cases in in UFO history. All oh, right. So th- this is this is a uh, I, I had to bring I had to bring the the as I said receipts to this one. This is a big one. I mean, in the recording and everything, it's 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 kind of emerging as more. I don't know. I feel like it's it's getting more grit to it than even like Roswell. For sure. Yeah. I suppose this is a time when the tapes and everything, like cassette recorders and all, are, are you know more commonplace. So it, it's believable that more and more people would have them. But it's also become it, it's it's quite funny because people have said in the age of the smartphone, 
yeah. that if UFOs were real, surely there should be more evidence. It, it, it's just interesting that it's it's not the case still. You know, like it's UFOs are still a kind of a, a rare occurrence, I suppose, to capture like clear evidence, uh, video evidence of. So yeah, I feel like I feel like yeah, you never see. Uh like an Instagram reel of UFO evidence. It's always like something that was filmed on a potato. Well, I don't know about your Instagram. My <laughs> Instagram is filled with UFO videos and such. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I will say that I think that this is probably the best group of people that a UFO occurrence could have happened to. Like you're dealing with trained military personnel who not only are military personnel, they're Air Force military personnel. So they know what objects in the skies look like. Yeah. So if these people are confused, you know. There's something going on that's, at, le- at the very least, is weird. I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. I, I'm, I'm with you now. I get it. Excellent. You're fully on board now. You, oh, yeah. I'm here. Uh, I'm here. I've, I've effectively red-pilled you into this one. So, <laughs> And this all led to Halt in 2010, who's now a retired colonel. He actually signed a notarized affidavit in which he basically, again, summarized what happened and then stated that he believed the event to be extraterrestrial and that had been basically been covered up by both the UK and US governments. Oh, wow. Yeah. Th- that's that's a that's a strong statement. Yeah, 100%. So, like, Halt is basically, like, the man's retired. Like, he, he's, you know, he, he's got nothing. He has no skin in the game at this point. No. But even then, he's like, no, I'm telling you, this, this happened. It's interesting, though, because in him kind of doing this, it caused a bit of a knock-on in that the base commander from the time, Colonel Ted Conrad, he decided to make kind of like this counter-statement in which he said, we saw nothing that resembled Lieutenant Colonel Hall's descriptions either in the sky or on the ground. (gasps) Ah, but but the recording And, and everything. Exactly. And we had people in position to validate Halt's narrative, but none of them could. Uh, he basically went on then to effectively just sling shit at Halt. <laughs> and that uh, it was all basically a lie and this, that, and the other. Which is an interesting take, considering, you know, it as you said, there's a tape there. You know, multiple people have said something was there. So it, I feel anyway, and maybe it's because I'm wearing my tinfoil hat, Right. I, I mean, we both are at this point. We are. Uh, I feel like this actually just lends more credibility to Halt saying that there was an effort by both governments to cover it up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because it's okay. We've got to. We've got to historically contextualize this. It's nineteen. It's nineteen eighty, right? Yeah. Okay. It's nineteen eighty. We're 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 Cold War Central. Like we're post close encounters of the third kind i think i think there's a like a proper atmosphere where the appetite for like people wanting to see ufos is there but i also sense that like governments have i think that governments were had to to like they have bigger fish to fry and they're like we can't be handling ufo nonsense and i think i think that there was an effort to i could i could i could i could get on board with an effort to cover something like that up yeah yeah for sure and and just to really just really lean into the potential cover-up here there was an article that was actually unearthed from 1983 where they actually interviewed ted conrad the colonel who was slinging shit at uh charles halt yeah in this 1983 article so only three years after the events he recalls 
what he says, five Air Force policemen spotted lights from what they thought was a small plane descending into the forest. Two of the men tracked the object on foot and came upon a large tripod-mounted craft. It had no windows, but was studded with brilliant red and blue lights. Each time the men came within 50 yards of the ship, it levitated six feet in the air and backed away. It took off at phenomenal speed. Acting on the reports made by his men, Colonel Conrad began a brief investigation of the incident in the morning. He went into the forest, located a triangular pattern ostensibly made by the tripod legs. He did interview two of the witnesses and concludes, those lads saw something, but I don't know what it was. Ooh. So at some point between 1983 and 2010, this colonel has decided to completely change his tune. And all oh, I'm saying is... Somebody got to him. Someone got to him. You know, the, the cigarette smoking man from the X-Files. <laughs> the lone gunman. Rocked up at his door, yeah, and basically went, you saw nothing. Oh, God. that That's that's a conspiracy right there. For sure. Uh, like, I, I honestly feel now I'm even on a watch list now just for even saying this, you know. <laughs> You know too much already, just by just from I, your, your cursory research. Yeah, for sure. I know, I know way too much. I'm gonna start seeing patterns now and everything, and you know, I'm gonna end up being disappeared at some point. <laughs> uh, don't. I can't do this by myself. You can't be disappeared. Come on. Well, if I'm disappeared, you got to keep the the UFO mantle going. You know. Then it just you're, becomes, you're all in now. Yeah, it just becomes a full me me tinfoil hatted like it, the, the red lines. I've got them on my board. <laughs> <laughs> it all's connected it's somewhere i'm telling you apophenia be damned <laughs> those damn aliens yeah exactly i suddenly grow a mustache just because of the type of research i'm getting into yeah oh yeah like you're you're fully on board you you take up chain smoking just surviving off a diet of black coffee and and cigarettes oh yeah 100 percent. you know and and that's your life then that's it you know you, you you're 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 involved in everything then. I've got your I've got your picture in the middle of the board and like red string all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Sticky notes that say like space, what do we know? You like you put all of your electronic devices in the microwave when you've gone back to like typing everything on like a typewriter. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so just then to add just a little bit more to this there, there's quite a lot of um, information on this. There's supposedly a substantial Ministry of Defense file on the subject, mm. but it's not ever been fully released. Some people think that this is evidence of a further cover-up, that basically it kind of leads to a larger pattern of information suppression, suppression concerning the kind of true nature of what these objects are. Okay. And yeah, suppose like supposedly the full file was released at some point, but some people are saying that it's kind of a bit patchy and that it, they don't they're not fully convinced basically that it's that it's the full file. And I, I think the main kind of thing that points towards it is that there's a lack of any sort of in-depth investigation in the publicly released documents. So people are kind of saying, you know, if it was such a serious thing, like why is there no evidence at all of an investigation? So the the MOD have apparently come out since and basically said like, oh, we never took the case seriously. That's why there's no evidence there. Mm. But all I'll say is, if you're the Ministry of Defense and you have US Air Force personnel saying, we saw something that came into our base with no warning at all on radar, I don't think you're not gonna take <laughs> this, the case seriously. I will say, okay, I'm going to take off my tinfoil hat for a moment. No. And I know, I know. Uh, I will say that I, it could be, like, you know how the, I guess more recently I've seen things pop up in, like, my social media periphery um, yep. about UFO 
information being kind of released by the government Mm -hmm. and i it could be that like since since roswell since since aurora even uh governments are and are just using ufos as like they're kind of spoon feeding us this weird paranormal shit so we stop asking questions about the actual social injustices (laughs) going on in the world or or both there is a cover-up and now they're slowly starting to release information so that we don't have mass hysteria when eventually disclosure comes out fully. When when we fi- when we find out that one of our leaders is a, a lizard person. Yeah, exactly. When Zuckerberg finally takes off the <laughs> the the human skin that he's been wearing this entire time. <laughs> I mean, I I kind of think Mark Zuckerberg is just like I think he's evolved past his body, and he is now just Chad GPT. Oh, he is. Yeah, he's he's the alpha and the omega. You know, yeah. he's, uh, <laughs> yeah. he's like, I am, I am all now. Yeah, he's both past, present and future. Yes. It's possible. You know, I, I do love those really badly edited videos on YouTube, which apparently shows proof of Mark Zuckerberg's eyes blinking like a lizard. Oh, yes. Those are so funny. They are incredible. So I'm going to get into my least favorite part of this, which I'm going to call skeptical analysis. <laughs> okay. There are parts of this where people are obviously calling shenanigans and I would be, you know, it, I, I can't not talk about Rendlesham without talking about the, you know, potential alternative theories. One of the bigger stories that kind of came out of this afterwards was one of the sergeants who was involved uh, with the investigation, Jim Penniston. Mm-hmm. At, at some point, uh, he claims he kind of changed the story a little bit and claimed to have actually encountered a craft of unknown origin in the forest okay. and goes so far as to say that he actually touched the craft and had information beamed from the craft into his mind and oh, that it okay. was in, in the form of like binary language like ones and zeros uh, yeah <laughs> there's just not really much else I can I can say to that I, I'm silent because I, I don't know how to react to that yeah <laughs> I don't, I don't really know what else to say to that. He claimed that there was like hieroglyphics on the craft as well and that they beamed information, I assume telepathically, into his brain through the form of binary code. That he suddenly understood. Uh, so he claims he doesn't understand it, but that he remembered it enough that he could write it down in his journals. One, one, zero, zero, zero. Shit, was it a one? Yeah, No, exactly. it was a zero. <laughs> So supposedly he's written it all down and it it's all totally legit and yeah that it it's yeah I I feel like someone may be you know potentially trying to maybe get a name for themselves uh, as someone who's a little bit more popular you know or, or or trying to get people to ask him questions maybe he's you know not not enjoying retirement or something I don't know there's some there's something deeper going on there yeah yeah for sure. Um, curiously, in the recording from Halt, at no point does he talk about Peniston approaching the craft and putting his hand out and having information beamed into his brain. Yeah, that was not that was not mentioned. No. So um, we're going to move on from that. I just wanted to touch on it, and I don't ever want to talk about it again. That's fair. We shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another theory is that the incident was a hoax. The BBC apparently said at some point that a former US security policeman claimed responsibility for creating strange lights in the forest by driving around in a police vehicle that the lights he had modified. Yeah. 
Um, but there's no evidence at all for this. He, yeah, just seems to have just claimed this for some reason. Mm-hmm. Other people have said that it could have been a downed uh, Soviet spy satellite, and they created this, like, mad story of a, a UFO as a kind of a cover. Mm-hmm. Which, it's one way of doing it, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. It, it's... I think that might be even more far-fetched than uh, a UFO. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, well, we, we won't give much uh, credence to that either. The most widely accepted explanation, though, for the sightings is that they were kind of a combination of factors. Mm-hmm. So on the kind of initial sighting, when the airmen saw something apparently coming into the forest, it actually supposedly coincided with the appearance of a bright fireball over southern England, like a bit of burning up rock or something in the atmosphere. Okay. And then, so that's uh, point one. Point two, then, they say that the supposed landing marks were apparently identified by police as rabbit diggings. Uh, okay. They say that this kind of leads that no ev- to kind of no evidence has emerged to confirm that anything actually came down in the forest, that it was just rabbits. And yeah. then finally, supposedly the flashing light that was seen from the forest lay in the same direction as the Orford Nest lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And when the eyewitnesses attempted to approach the light, they realized it was further off than they thought. And then the timings on Halt's tape, uh, allegedly, when you listen to them, the lights that he sees and reports flashing every five seconds, they correspond with the flash rate of the Orford Ness Lighthouse. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Well, there you go. And yeah, that's what they claim. Now, I will say, fair enough, if, you know, it was... A case of the lights were coming from Orford Ness. They're flashing at the same rate. I don't dispute that, that you probably can see it from the base. That's fine. Totally accept that. However, Halt himself in the tape, which you heard, describes light getting beamed from a craft down into the ground and that he saw bits of metal falling off of it. I don't think a lighthouse light is going to be doing that. That would be unusual for a lighthouse for sure yeah and and with that i basically rest my case there there's a few other bits and pieces but there's not really anything else to it there's now a ufo trail that you can walk in rendlesham forest it's basically just a walking track i just googled rendlesham forest just so i could get a like a visual and yeah i just saw the ufo trail yeah yeah at the very end of the trail there's like a a mock-up of what the ufo supposedly looked like created by like a local artist or something apparently it's actually really fun so have they kind of embraced it like marfa has yeah, pretty much. I, yeah, people kind of go there. It's almost kind of like a UFO pilgrimage in a sense. Pe- people go there and kind of go walk the trail and kind of see what's going on. I, I think the base now, I think, is closed down as well. So there's no kind of fear of US military personnel kind of being around you. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that kind of brings us to the end. There is one final hoax theory, which I wanted to say to the end because I actually found it quite funny. Okay. So in December 2018, a British UFO researcher claimed that the incident was set up by the SAS as a revenge plot on the US Air Force. He claims that in 1980, the SAS parachuted into RAF Woodbridge to test the security at the nuclear site. The USAF, the Air Force, had recently upgraded their radar and supposedly detected the black parachutes of the SAS men as they descended into the base. They claimed that the SAS troops were interrogated and beaten up. Mm-hmm. With, okay. the ul- with the ultimate insult to them, 
that they were called unidentified aliens. So uh, allegedly to enact the revenge, the SAS gave the USA Air Force their own version of an alien event. Uh, and they decided to uh, create these rigs of lights and colored flares in the woods. And then they sent up black helium balloons that were like remote controlled kites or something. To carry I'm, suspended I'm materials. on board with this, like, massive prank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, they claimed that there was this elaborate prank where they had, like, radio-controlled helium balloons with, like, kites and everything on them and that they dropped materials from them. And, yeah, that's been investigated and it's been concluded that the story is total bullshit. <laughs> but... Uh. I, I thoroughly enjoyed reading that one. Yeah, the I... I'm... I've, I think I've taken off my tinfoil hat and I'm now on board with the US and UK militaries just being lads. Just, just, just lad culture. Like, just just lad culture. like But like nerdy lad culture. Like they're just decided to, to throw this, uh, the most elaborate prank you could imagine. Just doing it for the banter. And do you think they, I think part of it was also probably them going out and like, spanking a cow so it makes weird noises so then they're like oh they have the farm animals are making weird noises possibly you know uh look you know in, in this crazy world you know I, I guess anything's possible yeah but i firmly believe it was a ufo and i you know the halt tape basically does it for me tells me everything i need to know i like it um, you've taken you've taken you've taken the piece of evidence and you're you're sticking by it yep it's, you know, it's everything I need to know. The it, he He's describing, he's a military personnel, trained military personnel. He's a colonel. Like, the, the lad's been around a while. He knows what's up. Uh, yep. If he's saying it's a UFO, I think it's a UFO. <laughs> and, and, and that's all I have to say on the matter. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yeah, that that kind of concludes the the event, the story, what happened, and then you know some of the supposed uh, explanations to it all, and and that kind of nicely concludes it. As I said, I was a bit kind of nervous about this story because it's it is really famous. <laughs> it's it's a heavy heavy hitter in UFO circles, so. I hope I've done it some justice and uh, not made any glaring mistakes or said anything that I shouldn't have. But uh, yeah, it's it's it was a very very fun one to research. Oh no, it was a fun one to listen to. I'm glad you I'm glad you did it. And just just keep in mind, we we need to remind the audience that you know they come here for the spooks, and they don't come here for necessarily the the most solid provable of facts. That is very true. Uh, I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you're the one to say it says. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I I stand behind us. Just like I said, like it says in our podcast description, we are facing the existential terror of every day by podcasting from the paranormal playground. Yep. This is true. You know, and the paranormal playground is a fun place to be. Exactly. Yeah. Especially in a, a midweek post work <laughs> slump yeah. that we're both in. We're both actively in. All right. Well, is, is 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 that does that wrap it up? Is that is that, that a, is that the incident? That wraps up the incident. That that brings it all to a nice conclusion. And I will say, as of today, it is still completely unknown exactly what it was. And I think that's the best way for it to be. Nice. Yeah. Well, I uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this. You know, and uh, if if you have any thoughts on it yourself or any theories, please do get in touch with us. Uh, we are pretty active on Instagram at the Spooky AF Pod. Uh, or if you'd like to get in touch with us on Gmail, you can contact us at the the Spooky AF uh, podcast at gmail.com. And, you know, we check in on that as well. So any theories that you have or 
any other areas that you'd like us to investigate or look at, you know, you can you can let us know as well. And we'll, we'll certainly look into it at some point, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I hope everyone has a, a lovely weekend and, uh, you know, stay spooky. <laughs> See you guys next week. Take it easy, guys. Bye.